Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,443. Today, we're going on an e-ticket ride with somebody who is very, very special. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Tahunga, California with a very, very special guest by the name of Bob Gurr. Bob, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? All right. Uh, <laughs> I got a six-speed manual out of an old Mack truck, so I just popped a clutch, and uh, I'll take your first question, sir. <laughs> All right. Very good. So before I introduce you and we dive into an amazing, I mean, just an amazing life that not only you have lived, but you are living today, would you share one little thing with our listeners that maybe people don't know about Bob Gurr? A fact that most people don't, in fact, nobody really knows it. Everybody asks, what's your favorite music, sir? Mm -hmm. I'm 92. My favorite music is ambient electronica. Really? That's, well, that's unique. And not knowing, not knowing how to write or understand music, several years ago, I would create music on GarageBand. Oh, fun. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm 12 years old and I can do that. <laughs> well, that's very fascinating. That's why I like that question. I receive a lot of unique answers. So this is very cool. Well, this is a good precursor to the many facets that are Bob Gurr. So allow me to introduce you, my friend. Imagineer Bob Gurr has always been a man on the move. And for nearly 40 years, he helped move many a happy Disney theme park guest aboard vehicles and ride conveniences of his own design. As he has often quipped, if it moves on wheels at Disneyland, I probably designed it. He developed more than 100 designs for Disneyland from Autopia. Oh man, I can't tell you how many times I rode that. To the Matterhorn bobsled and many, many others. Upon graduation from Art Center, he was hired by Ford Motor Company and soon after was hired by the Walt Disney as their Imagineer. And for nearly five decades, he worked transportation magic. And in 1981, he launched his own business, Gurr Design, working on leisure time spectacles and fantastic beasts. Bob authored books. He's raced cars. He's flown airplanes and gliders. He has had a hand in the multitude of automotive designs, including the Kaiser Willys, Lincoln's at Ford Styling, cars, trains, trams, monorails. The list goes on and on and on. And in 1999, Bob was honored with the themed Entertainment Association's Lifetime Achievement Award. The Walt Disney Company honored him in 2004 as a Disney legend, honoring him with a Disney window on Main Street. We'll be back in just a moment to hear from the great Bob Gerb, but first a word from our sponsors, so please give them a little love. Buckle up, we're on an e-ticket ride today. We'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. 
way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Hey, guess what? Some of you regular listeners will remember back in 2019, I created uh, 10, 11 shows called Cars Yeah TV, where I went to some fabulous locations of past Cars Yeah guests, and we did a TV show about it. Well, they're up on the Cars Yeah YouTube channel. So go check it out at YouTube. Just type in Cars Yeah, and the shows will be there for you to enjoy. I hope you have fun watching. So, Bob, we are back. Now, Trying to figure out how to condense your life into a short podcast is pretty much impossible. So what I want to do is break this up a little bit. And who knows where this ride's going to take us? Because unlike the rides at Disneyland, we're not on a rail. We can go anywhere with this. But I wanted to start with your time at Disney and just touch on a few things. Because I have to tell you, my friend, I grew up in Southern California. We went to Disneyland every year. Such a magical place. And the fact that I get to talk to the guy who designed so many of those rides, Autopia was my favorite. I'm Cars, yeah. I have to ask you, all this time at Disney, when you look back, do you ever imagine you would be involved in so many things? Well, this is a, I get this question all the time and, uh, and I have a hard time saying, well, what career did I have? Well, I've, I had four or five. Yes. <laughs> started, I started out to be a car stylist. Uh, you know, the bad name stylist should be the designer. Yes. And wound up at the um, Art Center School. I went General Motors Scholarship. I was sent early to General Motors. I was rated before I got to GM, got rated into the Ford Motor Company, of all things. I got rated out of the Ford Motor Company by George Walker Industrial Design. Uh, who I left after uh, within a year, came to California, goofed off for a year and a half, and Walt Disney called. Wow. Okay, that's the first part. <laughs> yeah. While, while doing all the designs for, uh, for Walt Disney, I found out right away, I'm a car stylist by training. I'm not an engineer by training. I've never gone to engineering school 
And Walt figured if I did bodies, I also did the chassis. Uh, well, I don't, I never did, didn't do that, but I had auto shop in high school, so I guess I'm qualified. <laughs> so I came up with a production version of the chassis for the Utopia car. After opening day, at the end of the week, only two out of 40 cars were running. So I figured I have a lot to learn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that started that started a a, a a career practice of everything I'm going to do I've never done before and I never do it again. So everything was new. So I have I never got good at anything, but I did everything. Wow! Absolutely crazy. Walt would ask people to do things. This is hard to understand. Example: I've been there five years, and he says, "Bobby, we're going to build our uh, monorail." We have a German design. I don't like the look. So, Bobby, I want you to get started on ours right away. And he walks out of the room. And that's it. Oh, my gosh. I'm left with a pencil and paper looking at a configuration of monorail I did not know about that sits on a beamway. I thought they hung from something. And I had no fear. Within two days, I had the overall apparent shape of the vehicle for specific reasons. And then eight and a half months later, I gave Richard Nixon uh, a ride on it with uh, with his friend Walt Disney. Oh my gosh! All of that is compressed into eight and a half months. And stop think a minute. Today's thinking always says you have different departments for everything. You have the department that designs the exterior or something. You have a department designing the interiors. Then you have the structural engineers. Then you have the equipment engineers, the manufacturing, and the testing. Would you believe? I got to do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is so wonderful because Disneyland never existed. The, the concepts never existed. And I, I just, I think about what you just said. You guys were disruptors. You were on the forefront of something completely different. And I think the fact that he found you, and I have to ask, how did he find you? Where did, where did he find you? You were goofing off in Southern California. Okay, backing up just a little bit to, to when I returned to California, where I was born, from uh, the, a year and a day in Detroit, I was a member of the Horseless Carriage Club of America. Mm. Uh, one of the members was uh, Ward Kimball, one of uh, Walt Disney's the most notable uh, animators. Mm-hmm. Also, another guy up in the um, a local community here uh, also was in the member of the Horseless Carriage Club. Now, the way Walt uh, hired people, he didn't put an ad in the paper. He'd ask people, say, do you know anybody that can draw a body for this little car that we want to (laughs) build? And the two guys says, oh, yeah, Bob, um, he writes books about car design, and he uh, does that for post publications over in Arcadia, which is the town next to Ward Kimball. And I've gone to Ward Kimball's house a bunch of times because he's got a steam railroad in his backyard. See, it's, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. But um, uh, my name popped up, and uh, Walt called, and that was that. Wow. I want to read something to you, Bob. A friend of mine and a past, now he's an alumni like you on Cars, yeah. He said this about you this morning because I told him you were going to be on the show. He's a car designer. His name's Rafi Manazian. He actually met you a long, long time ago when he was a little kid. Here's what he said. Bob Gurr is amazing. He's a treasure for a lot of reasons in the car design world. And when you talk with him, he might remember me as a little kid who signed his book. He was so good at drawing cars and so humble and helpful, he may have no idea how many minds he influenced as a designer. Some designers leave their mark for having 
designed certain cars. Bob helped design hundreds, if not thousands, of the creative minds of designers who went to the design uh, literally all major cars from 1960 to 1980. And I wanted to read that to you because Rafi was so excited, but more importantly, I hope you understand how many minds you've touched, not only through your car design, but through the Disneyland work and all the things you've worked on. Is that, I mean, that's got to be almost overwhelming for you, all the people in the world you've touched. It's incredible. Well, I do have to be aware of that, but I, I just not, I just don't let a hubris yes. <laughs> to blind me to the fact that I'm still just Bob and I like to design and draw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I kind of have to separate the two in a way. An illustration that might be, sure, I had my heart set on being a car designer. Uh, and with what I've already told you with the early history, you know, I was not going to be a car designer. And then I turned out to be an Autopia car designer. Oh, okay. And then pretty soon I'm designing omnibus, antique cars from Main Street. Pretty soon he wants a submarine. Then he wants a monorail. He wants a motorboat. <laughs> pretty soon he wants uh, dune buggies for the Haunted Mansion. And then uh, in 81, I left the company and formed my own company. But if somebody back in the car days would have said, Bob, you're not going to be a car designer. Do you know what you're going to do? <laughs> you're going to design a 30-foot-tall animated King Kong for Universal Studios. You're going to do animated lighting for Michael Jackson. You're going to build a 50-foot flying saucer for the closing ceremony of the Olympics. Oh, and to cap it off, Steve Wynn wants to sink a ship in front of the Treasure Island <laughs> Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you see, it was pointless to, to have my heart set on a career designing cars it turned out i was always in a position when somebody says hey we got a crazy new thing hey pop are you interested has anybody else done it before no that's why we're calling you Ooh, i'll take it oh i love it well the zest for life continues today i wanted to touch on somebody who's a past guest here uh, we lost him a few years ago tim considine and when i saw that you knew tim i wanted to just touch on him for a second and what was your relationship with tim I never met him until uh, he was um, uh, made a Disney legend. And once you were a Disney legend, every every other year when they have a legend ceremony, you get invited back, and then you meet all the newer uh, legends. So one day, uh, you know, they were spinning Marty, you know, Tim, and uh, but yeah, we were we turned out to be a trio of uh, car design. Uh, uh, Disney legends. Wow. Uh, I I used to go over to the little Christmas parties at Tim's house out out on uh, you know the southeast side of L.A. Yeah, uh, oh, you always had neat people. He had a little library in the back of the uh, property there. Always had car car people hanging around on his street. Uh, Tim was here's a funny thing. You have child actors. Some of them fail. You never hear them again. But these two guys were smart enough. They got up into being uh, you know teenagers. They were smart enough to walk away from being a child star and go and go pursue the car stuff they wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was perfect. Yeah. We have a similar, similar one with Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell's a good friend of mine. And if you checked my Instagram recently, I saw that picture. Out yeah. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Kurt wa wanted me to try to find a museum uh, for his, a little car. It's kind of a long story, but anyway, um, he won the national championship of quarter midgets in uh, Las Vegas at the Hacienda Hotel in 1959 uh, uh, in a car that I designed. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, the quarter midgets, they all, you know, everybody has to have a classic looking car with a beam axle, you know, for little cars, you know, sprint cars and right. Americana stuff. And I told the guy that, you know, a friend of mine from high school, he wants to make the car go faster. Oh, we're going to put an independent front suspension on it with radius rods that you can whack hay bales and you're not going to break it. It won't be any heavier, any more expensive, and you can do a lateral wedging with it, with the leaf spring out of it's like a Studebaker or an ACA. Gotcha. And that car got track records everywhere. They sold about 1,100 of them, and Kurt's car, he won. He never touched that car again. And just recently, we went out to where he's kept it, <laughs> dragged it out, took photos, and it's on its way to the American Museum of Speed. Oh, that's wonderful. It's awesome. You know, Bob, I like to ask people this question, and that is, who was a driving inspiration for you? That is a person who was very influential in your career. Is there, obviously there's, I know, one is impossible, but just for our talk today. All right. It was Struther McMahon starting in 1949. Everybody knows Struther McMahon. He was a, a teacher at Art Center. I couldn't stand the guy. He was too strict. And uh, then one day I said, do you actually like cars? <laughs> <laughs> that guy was was furious. And we turned out to be lifetime friends. In fact, uh, when he passed away, I was at his house and I was the last one to see him alive. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And the second one is Bert Rutan, who uh, did all these radical aircraft for companies who wanted something crazy developed. He's the guy that uh, helped his brother design an airplane that flew around the world unrefueled the first time it had ever been done. Bert had a a clear-thinking way of designing anything. And the third guy is obviously Adrian Newey. Oh, yeah. Adrian Newey. Luckily, the Red Bulls got him now. (laughs) He's worked over the people. Adrian Newey draws with a pencil and paper, no computer. The man has the idea of Brilliant, original, clear thinking. And these are the kind of people that I enjoy. Wow. Those are some names. Oh, my goodness. Well, given all the incredible things you have been able to work on, and I'm assuming it's because you just don't ever say no. You just look and say, I'll figure it out. If you had to pick one thing that was the most challenging thing that you designed and created, what was it and why? I get this question all the time, and I have to say, I'm very sorry. I have never actually felt that I was challenged, and I, that's a true statement. What? Now, here, here's, here's something. Let's say if you're a free thinker and somebody comes to you with a crazy idea, your brain will respond so fast with possibility. And if there was a challenge in each of these projects I took on, it would be of the my first three, four, or five general ideas, which way to go was to pick one that might pay off the soonest with the least amount of development time. Hmm. That's a true statement because that meant I, I'm not stumped. I have a white piece of paper and a pencil. I can go anywhere I want to go. And immediately you look at all of the possible paths you might go taking into account a whole bunch of stuff what is the what is the time limit on then what's the general budget where are the hazards in the in any kind of a design i have to look for those immediate uh mentally so that i have maybe four or five paths and then i say okay well let me see i'll pick this one knowing that if it starts to balk okay i dump that one and i go to the other idea so i was never never stuck with um 
a single path, which would be a challenge that most people see things like that. I just never saw it like that. So this is an important question, Bob. I love the words free thinker. How would you advise someone listening today that doesn't think that way, that always looks at all the problems ahead of them or challenges? I think a challenge is better than a problem. But how would you advise someone to become or try to be a free thinker? It's an interesting uh, concept. If a person is highly educated, they've gone through a four-year college or whatever subject of choice, you know, medical, legal, cars, or any kind of engineering, accidentally you have had your mind closed because you have been taught following a curriculum. And generally the curriculum is generated either by a government or by a teacher that failed in life and came back as a teacher. Yes, you've got this education, you've paid for this thing, but when somebody asks you to do something and you have never done it, the first thing you say is yes. And at that moment, you have to force yourself to say, yes, I'm qualified, I have the diploma, I've been taught all this stuff. Take a deep breath and say, I can think of any idea at this moment and I'm not going to be frightened. Nice. And you'll find out that you can start picking a few things that you already know about this thing that somebody's asked you to do, and it follows immediately that you have an idea of the things that you don't know, okay? Now you can figure out what you're going to do. Find out the place to get the answers of all the things you don't know about this new task that somebody asked you to do, and gradually fill it in. Now, it works this way. If you have been curious all your life, automatically, or you're curious because you decided maybe I should be curious. You have spent years looking at and following up and wanting to know about a whole bunch of stuff that's totally useless. But aha, someday somebody asks you a question. Oh, I know a little bit about this. I know a little bit about that. Car guys are that way. Uh, guys that race cars are that way because they've been curious about everything. Mm -hmm. But it applies to almost anything anybody would like to do. Do you follow what I'm trying to get you to understand? I love what you're saying, and it's, I think it's the most important thing I've heard all year, quite honestly, and that's saying something considering how many people I speak with on this show throughout the course of a year. Thank you for that. That is bold. It's brilliant. It's simple, but it has to be followed, and the way you articulated that was exceptional. So thank you for that. I think you just really inspired a lot of people listening today. Now, I follow you on Instagram. You and I have been trying to connect for months. You are the busiest guy I think I know. You have not slowed down at 92 years young. I have to ask, what is a bucket list item that you'd still like to do? I saw you flying on your 92nd birthday in the back seat with Mark Foster, who's another past guest from the Lion Air Museum. What would you like to do you haven't done yet, Bob? Well, there's been uh, some things in the bucket list that I would uh, would like to do that I decided maybe sh I shouldn't. I was in Australia one day and at the place where bungee jumping was. Oh, bungee jumping, yeah. Started, and I, I was within two two minutes of deciding to go or not go on a bungee jump. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But I I figure my, my creaky carcass at 92, maybe I shouldn't do that. You might tweak something, yeah. <laughs> right. Of course, you know, I've always secretly wanted to um, – uh, fly an aerobatic uh, jet someday, mm. but I do that on my flight simulator anyway. So in other words, I can I can do well the different airplanes and helicopters I fly anyway, <laughs> very safely that, too. Yeah. That, get, that, get, that gets down to uh, I'd like to do an animated rose parade float because if you watch the rose parade 
every year there's always animation of something that's so interesting. And in previous years, sometimes there'd be a rose parade float that was really interesting. It was built locally. I'd call the guys up and I'd say, hey, before you tear that thing apart, come in, come over and call inside and look at it. Yeah. I even went down to a couple of the float uh, builders while they're building them. And I knew a lady that would let me in the door and let me prowl around and see how they do that. Uh, but nobody ever called. Well, so that, maybe now know, they will if there's a listener out there. <laughs> I hope so. Now, I like to talk about cars here on Cars Yeah, and I know you're a car guy. Has there been one car in your life that you've owned that you could share a fun experience with about that ride? I bought the very first Citroen Maserati SM sold west of the Mississippi River. Wow. Okay. Tell me about that car. Uh, I fell in love with that car for several reasons. It was technically... An unbelievable car, you know, starting with a Citroen DS anyway underneath it with a V6 Maserati engine in it. Um, but the fact that it had the most gorgeous lines, I mean, the shape of that car. I'd take it to a car show that was on grass, and then I'd lower the suspension down so you couldn't see any air underneath the carpet in the grass. And, each, and I'd back off and look at it and say, oh, that, that is my car. Uh, the one thing I did with it fairly early, like you're not supposed to do, I was early in the morning on a, on a freeway, you know, out of the city and a guy challenged me in a, in a red Pantera. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm not supposed to ever tell this, but the guy backed off at 120. I was still going past him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Well, you and, Bert, you and Burt Reynolds, he drove one of those in that movie that he was in, right? I know. I know. <laughs> but uh, I, did, I, I didn't do that again, but I did go on one of the, um, uh, a, a track where you can uh, drive a NASCAR. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, and I was 120. Yeah. Uh, well, we won't tell anybody about that. And uh, the California uh, yeah. Highway Patrol, you're way past statute of limitations, so you're safe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think that's good. So I like to play car psychologist with my guest. And this should be a very interesting journey into the mind of Bob Gurr. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive you as the man in the mirror as some kind of vehicle... What would you be, Bob, but more importantly, why? Well, I would be a goofy, fun car. That's the first requirement. Okay. It's goofy, it's goofy, and it's fun. And what I would do with that car, if I drove around and met people and stuff, I would do just what I always do. I would inspire other people to do important things. Mm. And I could do that from experience, but at the same time, I'm goofy which means we can have a lighthearted conversation about trying to do important things. <laughs> Another unique answer to that question. I love that. You know, I like to ask people how they give back. You have given so many memories and experiences to people throughout your life. And what really amazes me about you is that you continue to do that today. I mentioned earlier, you and I have tried to connect for probably three or four months. Your calendar is I don't even know how you do what you do at this point in your life. Do you see your way or your life as someone who's constantly giving back? And I encourage my listeners, go and follow Bob's Instagram page, and you won't believe the schedule this guy has. I, I mean, 
Is that how you see what you're sharing now? Because when I watch you and your videos and the stories you shot, I, I watched one last week about the uh, Mickey Mouse airplane, Walt Disney's airplane that flew back and forth that you guys made so many trips across country on. And you're, you just keep giving back through your life's experiences. Is, is that how you perceive yourself? Because that is sure how I see you. Yes, it's very important for uh, anybody in any uh, career that came up through organizations or situations uh, that turned out to be of historical interest for people looking back at a company and say, how did they do that? Well, I happen to be a person that came up through, uh, you know, one of those kind of companies. It would be selfish if you just retired and kept your mouth shut and all that information and experience that that you had collected all these years when you didn't intend to collect it, it would be selfish to not share it if somebody asked questions, say, how did they do that? So that's the biggest thing that I, I face all the time. Bob, how did they do that? <laughs> so that 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 will set the stage for yes, I'll I'll help you with some ideas. But it goes back to Scrother McMinn. And the strictness of doing something and just doing it right. Walt used to say, just do it right. And everybody would understand what right meant. So the features that I try to get people to understand in design, you have to have the integrity and the beauty in mind of a design of anything. You have to understand the shape and form. And particularly with automobiles, most of them are, uh, are reflective. There's a lot of them now that are, you know, dead looking cars. Uh, you have to understand how light reflects off of a car, a shiny surface. You're not seeing the car. You're seeing the surroundings reflected in the car. A car that's got a, a uniform shape that comes and goes from one place to another, you know, like a, a current car, a Tesla S, you know, with Franz von Hohlhausen, he, he understands that. Other people don't. That's the integrity and the beauty and the shape and the form that people have to understand. And I'll explain. I'll take all the time in the world to explain that. Well, well, th this uh, begs me to ask this question. If you were to pick a few cars of today's, because I agree with you, so many cars today are just rolling refrigerators. If you were to pick a few cars today to chat briefly about that inspire you, that you go, oh, yes. What are a couple cars that turn you on? I'd say all of them turned me off with the exception of the Tesla S. Uh, France came up with that uh, about 19, uh, no, 2010, got into production 2012. And as time has gone on, in 2012, there were some fairly good-looking cars, but over time, for a great number of reasons, our cars today, as you say, they are refrigerators. My, uh, my manager drives an X5 BMW, and I say, why are you driving a white refrigerator with <laughs> wheels on the bottom? And, uh, and he, he doesn't get upset because he knows what I mean. Okay. Well, the Tesla, that's a very interesting, I wasn't expecting that from you. So, so this begs the next question I have to ask from you, your opinion of the new Tesla truck. Oh, uh, it's very easy. Stop and think of this. Somebody comes up with an object. All right. You have to stop yourself from looking at somebody's object whether it's a teapot or whatever, or a cyber truck, do not look at something and let your mind take off and go, oh, that reminds me of, oh, I like this. Oh, I hate that. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, stop right there and 
don't look at the world through your filter. You're the sensor of your, your own filter. Stop and with an open mind, look at what somebody created and then look at it only for what that creator has done. Now you will be able to calm down and take a more cogent look at something. But every time you look at anything, any object, anything you see in the world, it says, oh, that reminds me of. Well, <laughs> don't do that. Okay. You deny, your, you deny yourself to have a, a, a free-form, honest look at something before you get yourself all upset. <laughs> now, now, with that in mind, with that in mind, now let's take a look at the cyber truck. And let's say I'm from Texas and I do a lot of truck stuff and I do a lot of traveling with my family and the kids and everything and pull my boat. Look at now at the cyber truck and say, okay, all the things I'm going to do with my regular truck that I'm used to, um, how will that work in, this, in the cyber truck? And now you look specifically at the function within that chosen form and say, oh, where do I put this? Oh, where do I put that? Oh, gosh, I'll have to get something to carry something else here. Oh, it's not, I can't do it with how I used to do it. Because now you're looking at it from a functional uh, performance side of a design that somebody came up with. And I see now you can be more honest in looking at something and, uh, you know, make yourself be an open-minded expert of observing things. And seeing the usefulness besides the beauty or lack of beauty, depending on your opinion. You know, that's brilliant. I had this a similar conversation with someone at a car event, Pebble Beach. And I had always seen this one particular car with my filters on. And he was a designer and he, he said something similar in a different way. But basically he said, take your filters off and look at it this way. And all of a sudden I was in love with a car that really always kind of made me yawn. So... Removing those filters, you, you said that in a very clever way, that stop yourself the minute you say, that reminds me of. that. I'm going to start doing more of that, Bob. Thank you for that. All right. <laughs> very good. Now, I like to talk about books here. I know you wrote a book that has inspired so many people, How to Draw Cars of Tomorrow. Uh, is there another book out there that you might recommend people pick up and enjoy and learn some things from? Yes, there's two books. Uh, one I did in 2012 called uh, Design Just for Fun. I was a self-publisher. I got it printed in China, and I did all the writing. And, I, you know, I, I can't type. Do you know that? Oh, well, now I, now I do. I, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I do it with a thumb and a finger, you know. Wow. Okay. Uh, but I, uh, the book sold for fifty eight ninety five, which is very expensive, hardbound copy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I told everybody sells. There's going to be a thousand blue books and a thousand red books. The red books are going to be with a stamped gold, uh, you know, numbers and everything, because I'm never going to do it over, and I'm never, never going to add to that. Well, sometimes they sell for twelve hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. Now there's another book. It was on uh, Amazon for a while. I'm trying to, I think, I forget the title of the thing, but uh, you go to Amazon and you can get electronic uh, versions of it. Okay. And basically, it's a, it's a series of short stories of, of a wide variety of interest of all the fun stuff I've done. And it's by you, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, well, I, you know, you can go to Amazon. It's an app. There's nobody home. Yeah. You, you fill out the app and, and you have a book just like that. <laughs> 
There you go. <laughs> little insider yeah. information. Yeah. That is fantastic. So today I'm going to be an enabler for you, Bob. I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. And here's how it goes. I'm going to park any car in the world in your driveway and you can take it for a drive. But here's the special part. You can take anybody with you, including somebody who's no longer with us. Want to take Leonardo da Vinci and talk about design? There you go. So what does the ultimate drive look like for an Imagineer named Bob Gurr? I'm going to see America in a motorhome of my choice, and my co-pilot is going to be Richard Branson. Oh, my gosh. And we're going to see America, and we're going to talk every day while we drive about what is important in life. Wow. I see a, I see a documentary series here. Yeah. I like it. Richard Branson. Now, why Richard Branson? He's open-minded. He's brilliantly original. He has no fear. Uh, he's funnier than all get out. He's serious. He's self-taught, going all the way back to selling records in London when he's 18 years old, builds and sells airlines. You know, he gets himself in a financial fix from time to time. But he wound up building some ships, and I rode one of his ships out of Barcelona a year ago. And it was wonderful riding on a ship where Richard Branson told a ship builder, he says, if it's a feature that's on any cruise ship, then it won't be on my ship. <laughs> so uh, it was the perfect ship for me to um, see things that I'd never seen before in a ship, which everybody else would say, oh, this is horrible. Oh, this looks like, oh, that looks terrible. No, I was enjoying somebody else's wide open mind on a ship traveling around Spain. Wow. Well, that sounds like a wonderful journey. Bob, I could talk to you for days. I'm going to let you go. But before I do, would you share some parting words of wisdom or inspiration with our listeners today? Sure. It's simple. Do everything right. Understand what right means in, in any endeavor. Please understand the essence of story. You have a, a master thing in a story and you do all your designs and components that would fit that story. Never clash with anything in the, in the essence of a story. Design purity and simplicity. That's the number one thing. You have to understand you go, if you create something, you, it, the purity and the simplicity has to be so important and to execute stuff like that. You need to have a dedicated leader on any kind of particularly crazy ideas, a dedicated leader is going to take it from the first idea all the way to the finish line, the opening night or whatever you want to call the completion of a project or a design or a creation. The opposite of that is no committees. As soon as you have committees, you have people that might not have the dream that you have in your head. And the committee people have to interfere because they have to do something to prove they're doing something on a committee. I've watched the committee projects and I've watched the dedicated leader projects. Dedicated leader is absolutely, totally required and important. Ah, brilliant. I love it. Been there, done that when it comes to committees, Bob. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Where the headaches begin. You know, something else that I read about you and it's a quote by Malcolm Forbes and it certainly is what you're all about. While alive, live. And you are doing that. Well, 
<laughs> well, Malcolm Forbes uh, inspired me a long, long time ago. I saw he took a bunch of guys with their Harleys, and they were going to drive around China long before China was friendly to Americans. Somehow, uh, he befriended somebody in the Chinese government and says, yeah, we'll bring our hogs, and we're going to go for a ride and have a good time. <laughs> um well, he, you know, he did a lot of nutty stuff, but I just thought the simplest thing, you get a free life, you can use it, and you should use it every day, right, right to the last gasp. Uh, Norman Lear, who passed away just recently, did that every day, right up to his last day, while alive live. Wonderful words. How can people follow you and, and try to keep up? I would assume it's your Instagram page, which is marvelous, by the way. Well, uh, the easiest way is to go to fandomproductions.com. Now, that's fandomproductions, all one word, followed by .com. Okay. And once you're there, you will be directed to uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, <laughs> in addition to car stuff, I have the Bob Gurr store, uh, Bob Gurr Theater, Bob Gurr Show, and I'm, I interview important people uh, as a host. And uh, there's, I think there's 62,000 people following me on Instagram nowadays. It's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah so this is one of my <laughs> 27,000 careers. <laughs> yes, just another one to add to the, uh, the resume. So that's fandom. Is that F-A-N-D-O-M productions? That's. That's correct. Absolutely. I'll put links to that on uh, Bob's show notes page for you listeners on the Cars Yeah website. I encourage you to follow this man. Try to keep up. I dare you. You can't, uh, but you can try. Bob, I also want to shout out to Candace Hawkinson's at the Pebble Beach Concord because she's the one that introduced me to you. So, Candace, thank you very much. They put on a nice little car show there at Pebble Beach, right? That's right. <laughs> there you go. Bob, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me today. This has been a dream come true. You are a, a national treasure. Absolutely spectacular. Until you and I talk again, my friend, if I can keep up, <laughs> I'll see you down the road. <laughs> okay, don't. Bye-bye. How did you discover your path to a fulfilling life? Too many young people flounder in finding an education and a career that fits. But for those who have a passion for cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and who love working with their hands, problem solving, and fixing things, a career as a professional auto technician is incredibly rewarding. Cars yeah is pleased to team up with TechForce Foundation, our charity of choice in bringing scholarships, technical education, and hands-on experience to young people so they can discover a possible future. Join me and lend your support by visiting techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.